So good to be here. What an honor it is for me to be part of Mother's Day here at King Street Community Church. And um, uh, I thank Pastor Dave and Pia for this opportunity. Pray for their uh, moments of rest and relaxation. What a great couple. And what a great staff and church you have. I'm, a, I'm, I'm skipping church from my home, home church. We go to Whitby Christian. But we're all part of the kingdom, and so it's so good for me to be here today with you. You know, clearly in need of help, a few weeks ago, I asked ChatGPT for the most popular Mother's Day gifts. Now, some of you are saying, what in the world is a ChatGPT? You're thinking, what, what is this? Well, it is the latest technology that is taking the world by storm. And it is artificial intelligence, it's a chatbot, that you can type any question you have into the chatbot, and within seconds, it will give you back an intelligent and informed response. And uh, you know, as I said, this is new modern technology, and it's got great purpose and potential, but with all tech, it's likely got a shadow side to it. And so there will be another moment, another time, we're going to unpack that. But ChatGPT was doing this man a favor by helping me to figure out what are the most popular Mother's Day gifts that you can find. And perhaps I'm doing you a favor here as well this morning. The top 10 things were flowers, chocolates, jewelry, spa and beauty treatments, kitchen gadgets, homemade crafts, and we have schools and children's ministry to thank for the homemade crafts. I think we have a whole shipping container somewhere stored full of our four kids' crafts from over the years. Kim, it's your favorite thing, isn't it? Thank you, children's pastors, for all of that. And I'm sure today you'll come home with a few extra homemade crafts. Gift cards. Now, nothing screams, I don't know what to get for my significant mother, than gift cards. If you've bought a gift card for your wife or mother, no offense here, but like a little bit more creativity perhaps. Books and finally, quality time. And how many mothers in the room would say, Amen? That's the best gift possible. Now, this is not the Oprah show where she gets a car and she gets a car. So I am not about to give you any of these items. But I, I will give you I will give you one. The one that I can give you is books. And my intent in this message is to take you on an adventure. And to dive into one of my favorite books to read. Now, selling north of 200 million copies, the literary giants in the book world include Charles Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities, or J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, the first of seven in her series, and The Hobbit, J.R.R. Tolkien. Some of you have likely read these books. These are all great reads, and they're fascinating stories, and yet it's my conviction that among all the fascinating books ever written, the book of Acts in the New Testament stands firmly among the best. It also should be understood and recognized that the Bible remains the best-selling, most wildly book ever written. Now, the book of Acts is written by Luke, a physician, and it portrays a series of intriguing and captivating vignettes chronicling the lives of key disciples and apostles in the, le in the years and the decades after the ascension of Jesus into heaven. Luke was a follower of those first apostles and became cl close with the likes of Peter 
and with Paul. And so in writing Acts, the sequel to his Gospel of Luke, he details an incredibly clear progression from the life of Jesus, and we understand the works that he did, to the coming of the Holy Spirit in that moment on the day of Pentecost, and then to the launching of the church, and it spread across Asia. These acts that we read about today in the book of Acts are eyewitness accounts of courageous leaders who lived with purpose, armed with the Holy Spirit and full of zeal, ready to turn the world upside down through their preaching and their miraculous escapades. It's in the book of Acts that we discover people who live with conviction and with abandon, that the gospel hope had to be spread, needed to be communicated, needed to be lived out. We discover acts of men and of women who played a powerful role in the redemption story that God was unfolding before them. Acts of those who followed the risen Lord Jesus. That he had come, he had lived, he had died, and yet he rose again. And as a result, these people were willing to put their health at risk, their safety and their freedom at risk, and even their very lives these people would have inspired every single person around them, who watched them, who followed them, who listened to them. These individuals would have heard, heard stories being told and watched lives lived out for years to come, and they, in that moment, would have learned what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. For them, others would have learned that this is how you live for Christ. This is how you face difficult situations. This is how you walk through tough seasons. This is how we trust in God and how we pray and how we wait on the Holy Spirit. This is how we work through conflict. This is how we honor our political leaders. This is how we solve problems. This is how we live with character and integrity when it's incredibly hard to do so. This is how we influence business and marketplace spaces. This is how we seek justice and serve the poor and reach the marginalized and speak truth to power. This is how we love our neighbors and how we share our possessions, how we live and we move and how we have our being in the spirit, how we build the church together and we change the world and turn it upside down and how we are people of the spirit. We can see all of these things as we read the book of Acts 2,000 years ago in the first century. These moments and stories serve as inspiration and guidance for us here today in 2023. These stories are as relevant and as meaningful and as impactful as ever. These are the acts of prayer warriors and miracle workers and day traders, tent makers, policy shapers, risk takers, and world changers. Acts is like a biblical superhero narrative, an origin story where we meet the likes of Peter, the rock, who had an impeccable opportunity at each time to kind of stick his foot in his mouth, just knowing the moment and knowing what to not say. Or we meet Paul, the apostle, who went from being the chief persecutor to the chief preacher extraordinaire. Yet it's not these two particular well-known characters of the book of Acts that I wish to pay attention to this morning. Today I want to give a shout out to the women that we read about in this incredible book. They are wise and they're diverse and they're resourceful and educated. They're influential and they're essential. These women are well worth our attention today. And they deserve a hearty shout out from us because they've 
made a big impact on establishing the church and ensuring its multiplication throughout the ancient world. Today, we're not here without their leadership and their sacrifice. Now, skeptics often accuse Christianity of having a low regard for women and of treating them, in effect, as second-class citizens. And there's no denying that professing believers, past and present, have been guilty of this to our collective shame. But the perspective of Scripture is radically different than what these people have said. And my intention this morning is to champion these impressive women who we'll learn about through the book of Acts. Unique among all the religions and philosophies are rooted in the ancient world. This biblical worldview that presents both women and men as created in the image of God and thus co-equal in value and dignity and purpose in God's mission. That is the story we tell this morning. Further and not insignificant is the fact that a group of women were incredibly prominent and played a vital role in Jesus' own ministry, helping to fund and support and ultimately being the first people on scene in his resurrection. And that pattern of influence grew and was reinforced during the early years of the church. Women continuing to lead and show by example what the Spirit was doing in their lives. And so the book of Acts is peppered with these stories. These women are not um, uh, the stuff of our Sunday school picture books or our felt storyboards, if you can recall those moments. These are real and diverse women, tradeswomen and business leaders, intellectuals, household servants, mothers and sisters and disciples, widows, pastors, evangelists, and prophets, teachers, all of them essential to the church's understanding of itself in any era or any culture. These women came from all walks of life, from both Jewish and Gentile backgrounds. They had hearts opened by the Holy Spirit. They became believers in Jesus and central to the emergence of the church. They lived with deep passion and commitment to the mission, no matter whether they were rich or poor, employers or employees, or if they were prominent or low class. Today, I'm honored to draw your attention to their stories and to elevate their voices and to shout them out, so to speak. And in so doing, I hope to inspire all of us here today, men and women, to walk in their footsteps. Though we will take a journey through the acts of the apostles, through the lens of these seven particular women, this message is not just for women on this Mother's Day, but there's takeaways for all of us. The acts of these first century women can inspire 21st century believers to serve as an example of how we can love Jesus, how we can love others, and how we can change the world around us to the best of our ability. So we're going to get started here, but it's going to be different. I'm going to need your participation here this morning. So I'm going to ask that you would pull out your cell phone. If it's not already out already... I need your help this morning because we're going to shout out these women in the book of Acts. But while we do that as well, I'm going to ask that you would also consider shouting out women that you know in your life today. And as we look at each of these seven particular women, and there will be information on the screen, there's going to be an opportunity for you to think of a name or names of women that you want to say, this person in Acts reminds me of someone in my life. And there's going to be some instructions on the screen where you can text in the names. And we're going to have a fun time this morning 
shouting out and honoring the women in our lives. And so all of those things will come on the screen as we move forward this morning. Are you ready to go? Let's get started. I want to begin with a shout out to Mary, the mother of Jesus, the faithful matriarch. She was a spirit-filled catalyst and a prayerful decision maker. And you can read about her story in Acts 1, 12 to 26. You know, the women who had followed and supported Jesus during his time on earth, who had borne witness to his resurrection, didn't vanish after he ascended into heaven. They were present in the upper room with the 11 apostles, part of this larger group of 120 people who had gathered the first formal moment the church came together. And among those in that group was Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, this story is a different glimpse from her, from how she's often portrayed in later art and tradition. Here we see her, along with other women, engaged in corporate prayer with the rest of the church as it conducts its first order of business, that of choosing a successor to Judas to stand and lead with the other apostles. It's a rare down-to-earth snapshot of Mary in later life, participating in the work of the early church along with the other believers. Here they all are, gathered in the upper room, when the Holy Spirit came upon them on the day of Pentecost. This was the launching of the church and its mission into the world. This was ground zero for the movement that became known as Christianity. Mary was at that moment the faithful matriarch of the movement, one of the original people following the way, committed to prayer, committed to intercession, committed to seeking the Spirit's guidance and decision-making for the first followers as they began to come together. Despite the grief that she was clearly carrying with her, she was a voice of influence by words and by lifestyle. She was faith-filled, trusting that her son was who he said he was and believing in him all the way through the ups and the downs. Her faith and her hope and her optimism in the face of pain and suffering was simply remarkable. Mary is worthy of a shout-out this morning as being an example of a spirit-filled catalyst and prayerful decision-maker. So let's give a moment right now to shout out women in our lives who remind us of Mary, a faithful matriarch. Who is a Mary in your life? So you can see on the screen, there are two options for you to be able to text in these names. You can take a picture of the QR code right there at the bottom left or at the very top if you can see. You can go on a browser on your, on your phone, go to menti.com, M-E-N-T-I.com, and at the very top of that webpage, you just enter in the code, 12136001. So I'm going to give you time to begin to get set up there, and I want you to think of someone in your life who's a faithful matriarch, a, a spirit-filled catalyst and prayerful decision-maker. Perhaps it's your birth mother or foster or adoptive mother, a spiritual mother, a motherly figures in, of influence in your life who you know over the years have made an impact in your life. Go ahead and text those names. You can actually list up the five names as you get to this spot. The names are going to begin to populate on the screen. We are hoping we're going to have an opportunity to honor them. And while you do that, I want to give a shout out to the women in my life who are like Mary. Today on this Mother's Day, I want to honor my own mom, Dorothy. My mother is an incredible woman. She's watching online. Hi, Mom. Good to see you today. I want to honor my wife, Kim, and her mother, Roberta. 
These are three incredible matriarchs in my life, and each of them have built their lives on following Jesus and on living for him. They're discerning intercessors who seek the wisdom of the Spirit. They're catalysts who faithfully inspire other people to follow Jesus. Their perseverance in the face of trials and sickness and setbacks is incredibly inspiring. And I have witnessed countless moments, as perhaps most of us have, who have maybe grown up with a, a mother who has pointed us to faith in Jesus each and every time, going to the Lord for wisdom and guidance, no matter what sort of setbacks come their way. These three women are the foundation and the bedrock of our family and my life, and they're driven by hope in Christ Their hospitality is incredible. Their kindness and grace is infectious. Their faith moves mountains. Mom, Kim, and Roberta, I want you to know how much I love you and how I'm grateful for you and your voice and influence in my life. You are faithful matriarchs of our family. Well, I wish my eyes were better. But look at all the names on the screen as we just shout out all of these incredible women. I can read the large print. So Janet and Sharon, Corey, my sisters. Voting is now closed. Sandra, Marilyn. We shout you out today as faithful matriarchs. We honor you in our lives and thank you for your influence of pointing us to Jesus. That's impressive. That is amazing. Let's look at the next woman. Tabitha, also known as Dorcas, the social change agent. She was a generous and compassionate caregiver. We can discover her story in Acts chapter 9, 36 to 43. As the gospel spread from Jerusalem, churches began to spring up in the Judean countryside. It was in the port city of Joppa, which is now part of modern-day Tel Aviv, that a disciple named Tabitha was singled out for her acts of kindness to her community. Now, her Greek name, some of us would know her as Dorcas, suggests that she was a Hellenistic Jew who had grown up outside of Judea and was assimilated into the Greek language and culture of the day. The primary focus of her ministry was to poor widows for whom she would make tunics and other items of clothing. She was really the Mother Teresa before the Mother Teresa that we all know and appreciate. Now, in this particular story in Acts, Luke records Tabitha's illness and subsequent death. He draws attention to the widows weeping and showing Peter the good things that Tabitha had made while she was living with them. She was great great at the crafts and of clothing and distribution and serving the poor. And there was great mourning and sorrow for those whom she had served, grieving over the loss of her kindness and her heart and her generosity and her love. And in response to this moment, Peter followed the example of Jesus and prayed over Tabitha, raising her from the dead. She lived her life doing kind things for others and serving the poor, the underserved and the marginalized. She was evidently a person of humble means, resourceful, talented, perhaps even a skilled fundraiser, able to clothe the poor women of the community at her own expense. She had a hands-on approach to her generosity, devoting resources as well as her time and labor to a life of practical service. Tabitha this morning is worthy of a shout-out, of being an example of a generous and 
compassionate caregiver. So it's now back to you. Who is a Tabitha in your life? Same format, same opportunity for you to begin to put names on the screen. And as you do, I want to give a shout out to a woman that I know and love and appreciate, Paula Catrusi. Paula is a ministry support worker with Youth Unlimited Toronto, where she, in her boundless energies and her gifts, she comes along all the ministries of the downtown core of the city. I've worked with Paula for years. We've taken students to, to uh, urban awareness trips that have partnered with Paula, and her zeal and compassion and enthusiasm for reaching the less fortunate, but especially the teenagers among them, is absolutely inspiring. Currently, she ser- serves as a youth outreach worker for Light Patrol, along with being part of Doxa Journeys, which is a six- to nine-month discipleship program for those who have no church home or no affiliation with, with any sort of church community. She meets with them, and she connects, and she shows them the way and how to live for Jesus. She's also invo- involved in the Cornerstone Community Outreach. I know it's a ministry that this church also partners with, serving meals to those who live on the streets Saturday evenings. She is an incredible example of a generous and compassionate caregiver who shines brightly for Jesus wherever she goes. So this morning, we look at some of these other names, Pauline and Marika, Linda, Angie, and it keeps moving and I can't keep up. Mom, Stacy, Maya, Jacqueline, all of these incredible women who remind us of Tabitha, compassionate people who give of themselves to serve others. Today, we, we shout you out. Thank you for being faithful to who God has made you to be. Third, let's give a shout out to Mary, the mother of John Mark, the servant-hearted ministry leader, a visionary gatherer and hospitable pastor. We can discover her story in Acts 12, 6 to 19. During the first few centuries of church history, there, there were no dedicated church buildings. So local groups would meet in homes where believers would gather together and they would pray and worship and read scriptures and encourage each other. They would often look for those larger homes where they could accommodate larger numbers of people. And one of these early house churches was hosted by a woman by the name of Mary, originally from Cyprus. She was the mother of John Mark and was related to Barnabas as well. For a woman to own a house and lead a large household was uncommon, but it was not unknown at the time. Mary was most likely a wealthy widow who had opened her home as a meeting place at the very beginning for the church to gather. Peter, the gregarious disciple of Jesus, was a close friend of this congregation. He knew them well. He dropped in. He spent time with them. And Mary's son eventually became his assistant, ultimately helping him to write the gospel of Mark from his perspective. And it's in this particular story where Paul is miraculously set free from prison. Following an angel out of the jail at cell, he at first immediately decides to go and visit this church. He thinks it's a dream, but he realizes it isn't, and he goes to the home of Mary, where many believers had gathered to pray and worship. Mary had prayed, called for a prayer meeting, knowing that this incredible apostle was in trouble and needed help, and so they came together to pray for Paul, knowing that if they gathered, a miracle was possible. Having experienced and seen the work of the Spirit move, once again, Mary was believing that something unique could happen. 
as all pastors do, she inspires the people around her, the believers connected to this church, to gather to come together to see the Lord intervene in their midst. Mary is worthy of a shout-out this morning, of being an example of a visionary gatherer and hospitable pastor. So let's take a moment again. The instructions will be on the screen. Let's shout-out to the women in our lives who remind us of Mary, the mother of John Mark, servant-hearted ministry leaders. Go ahead and please text in their names. You know, I have women in my life just like Mary. Today, I want to give out a shout-out to the fellow POC pastors, my colleagues in ministry, and specifically the pastors from my home, home church. Right now, Pastor Zena is preaching. I think about Pastor Ingrid and Pastor Sarah and Pastor Jessica, and especially those pastors who serve here at King Street Community Church, Pastor Pia and Sonia. Kristen, Alicia, and Lauren, thank you for who you are. I know you to be skilled and wise and hardworking, resilient and determined and creative. You're kind and outgoing, and most of all, you have a passion for Jesus to lead others to him, and you reflect him in all that you do. Our fellowship is better because of you. Your church family here at King Street is better because of you. The city and region are better because of you. So thank you for serving Jesus in the way that you do. I'm cheering you on, and I love you, and I appreciate you. You are pastors or are hospitable, servant-hearted ministry leaders and visionary gatherers. So we look on the screen, and we see the names, and we see Sharon and Paula and Susan, Madeline, Pia, Becky, Sharon. It's really testing my eyes. But you can see these names, and we thank the Lord that these women have followed God's calling on their lives to faithfully serve, maybe here or somewhere. Somewhere in your life, women pastors have made a difference in your life and have inspired you to serve Jesus. We give you a shout-out today. Our fourth shout-out goes to Rhoda, the exuberant high school student, a curious and confident teenager. And you can discover her story in this very same passage of Scripture in Acts 12, 6 to 19. It takes place in Mary's house. You know, from all indications, this household was marked by an atmosphere of warmth and of good humor and exemplified by the young servant girl, Rhoda. Among Rhoda's duties, it was her job to answer the door when visitors were called. I love the fact that Mary created a culture where young people could hang out and feel comfortable and, and know that they were cared for and loved. And I just quickly give a shout out to the Kellys sitting here in the second row because they did that for me growing up back in Ottawa. We could always hang out at their house knowing that as young people were safe and we were going to be well fed and cared for. Thank you so much. I love you guys so much for giving us that opportunity. And here was this house that Mary had created for young people. And so after Peter was miraculously freed from prison by an angel, he came immediately to this church to say hi to them. So Rhoda is rushing to the door, to the do, sorry, to the door and her jaw drops as she sees the person that they were praying for standing there at the door. And I can almost envision and imagine what's taking place in that moment as she's giddy with excitement and she, her, her jaws dropped and she's so happy that what happens is she runs away from the door to bring the message of good news to the others. She's screaming in delight that Peter is free and he's standing there wanting to come in. 
While everyone there is just thinking she's absolutely crazy and out of her mind, she keeps insisting, no, 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 it's really happened. The miracle that we prayed for. I love the exuberance and faith and belief of young people who see Jesus working in ways that some of us older people may just miss a little bit. Meanwhile, Peter keeps standing there, knocking on the door. Hey, I'm here. Does anybody want to let me in? Clearly, Rhoda was more and more interested about learning about Jesus, taking part in the church service and being involved in the prayer meeting. She was connected to the church. It didn't matter that she was one of the younger ones there. She was included and she was confident and she expressed herself that, yes, a miracle had, in fact, happened. She persisted in enthusiasm, eventually convincing the older folk, people like me, who sometimes don't cut millennials and Gen Zs of any break at all, just those young people, but figure it out. She convinces them that there's a miracle. Come and see for yourself. To me, this is a hilarious episode that kind of plays out like a sitcom today. And though these two women, or through these two women, a visionary pastor and a passionate teenager, Luke preserves a slice of early church life far removed from the stern patriarchal caricature of popular imagination. Women and young people at the center of the movement essentially helping to build and expand the church. Rhoda is worthy of a shout-out this morning of being an example of a curious and confident teenager who desired to live for Jesus. And so go ahead. Let's shout out those young people in our lives. Maybe it's a daughter, it's a son, someone in your life who's just following Jesus, exuberant, texting their names, a child, a junior high, a high school, college, and university student, I have two individuals that I want to give a shout-out today. They're my 24-year-old daughter, Michaela, and my 20-year-old daughter, Haley. Hi, Hales. You both are incredibly confident and curious. You're deeply passionate about knowing Jesus, and you live for him, and you are a model and example to me what it means to stand up for what you believe, to hold firm in your convictions while showing grace and love. You accept your friends and your co-workers and your fellow students and you, through mercy and grace, show them what it looks like to live for Jesus in a world that is so confused about decision-making, looking for hope, and you stand with hope. I love you, and I pray that you will continue to honor God with your lives. I'm proud of you. But I'd also like to, to speak to the other young women, maybe here in this room today, or maybe you're watching online Younger junior high girls or teenage girls or college or university students, young professionals in a world with so many messages that come your way, bombarded by all the cultural pressures and expectations of what you should look like or who you should be, how you should act. May you follow Christ as an example, but may you be like Rhoda, who through following Jesus finds her security and her identity in Christ. May you be curious about Jesus and confident in who God has made you to be. I want to speak over you today and say that your life is infused with great purpose and potential as you serve him. There's a destiny on your life. There's a place for you in the kingdom. There's a place for you here at this church to serve and to lean in. There's a place for you to walk in your calling and honor God with all of your life and to discover your divine design. There's a place for you no matter what age you are, 
to be involved in influencing your generation. And so I encourage you to not question yourself or not question your purpose or your level of influence. Love Jesus with everything you have. Lead out of your own gifts and skills and the way that he has designed you to be. The world needs strong, confident young women representing Jesus with integrity, with hope, and with grace. You know, as I look back at history, many revival movements were sparked by young women who stepped out with faith and explored the kingdom opportunities with great abandon. And so I firmly believe that this generation will do remarkable things as you serve Jesus. So not only Haley and Michaela do I honor you, but I honor the names of these young women that we see on the screen. Hannah, Alexis, Geneva, Sophia, Skyla. Ooh, I'm going to have to get over here. Ava. If you're here today and you see your name on the screen, be encouraged. Know that this church family affirms you and gives you a shout out and welcomes you at the table and believes in you. Well, we have three more women to go. The fifth woman is Lydia, the successful CEO, a marketplace and community builder. We can discover her story in the book of Acts 16, 11 to 40. You know, prominent, wealthy, and influential business women played a vital role in support of the gospel as it spread from Judea into the Greco-Roman world. And by all accounts, one of these women uh, was the prominent and wealthy Lydia, the first Christian convert in what is now known as Europe. Lydia was originally from Thyatira in Asia Minor, which is now modern-day Turkey. She was an agent of the lucrative dye and fabric industry based in that city. Thyatira in purple was renowned throughout the empire and reserved for emperors and other high-ranking officials. Accordingly, Lydia ran her own business from Philippi in Macedonia, modern Greece. She ran this company as in the Roman colony where retired politicians and military leaders would often settle to live she moved among and did business with the rich and powerful of Rome. If there had been a Forbes index of the most influential CEOs at that time, Lydia would have definitely been on the top of the list. Like Cornelius before her, Lydia was a Gentile attracted to the God of the Jewish scriptures. Once she converted to Christ, she placed her home and considerable resources at the church's disposal, helping Paul and other missionaries to advance the kingdom and the good news. She provided a bridgehead for the mission to move forward as it went through Greece and across Europe. Lydia is worthy of a shout-out this morning as being an example of a marketplace and community builder. So let's take a moment and give a shout-out to a woman who we are reminded of when we think about Lydia and her influence as a businesswoman, a community leader, go ahead and text in their names. I have a woman that I would like to honor today, and that's my sister-in-law, Heather Janes. She's been married to my brother for 25 years. Heather graduated from Eastern Pentecostal Baba College, or Masters, with a Bachelor of Theology degree from, uh, in, in youth ministry. She immediately stepped into the role of manager of housing at the Unionville Home Society, a role that she had for nine years. Then in 2012, she began working at Christie Gardens, 
a faith-based retirement community and long-term care center as their director of accommodation services. After serving as their vice president, resident services, from 2012 to 2015, she took over as the CEO in 2015. She's well-respected in her field for her vision for elder care and travels as a consultant across North America. Further to this, over the years, Heather has been a consistent volunteer with the youth and women's ministries of the churches they've attended. Beyond these things, her passion for mission and their passion for outreach is seen as she sits on the board of Young Street Mission and their minor sports, uh, their opportunity minor sports corporation. Heather has traveled the world and she's leveraged her education and her life experiences to invest in ministry opportunities within the PAOC, generously investing in global missions and helping to support PAOC initiatives and workers across the planet. Heather is a successful CEO, a community builder, and a marketplace leader. And I give her a shout out this morning. We think about the names that we see being generated on the screen. There's Elizabeth, Auntie, Trisha, Marika, Jenny, Geneva, Heather, Diane, Pia, Sonora, Pastor Alicia, Pastor Kristen. Some phenomenal names people that we honor today for taking their experiences and their opportunities and investing in kingdom advancement. The sixth shout out is for a woman we might not be all that familiar with. Damaris is her name. She's a brilliant educator, a teacher, a social influence, and a thought leader. We discover her story in Acts chapter 17, 16 to 34. You know, upon arriving in Athens, as Paul was spreading the gospel, he began to discuss the scriptures with the members of the various philosophical schools in the city. At length, they would, they would go to the Areopagus and present teachings in a more formal setting. The Areopagus was this opportunity, this court, where cultural elites would meet to critique new ideas. And it was in this moment that Paul would give these lectures and expecting that the opportunity to present the gospel in a more formal way would reach people not otherwise able to be connected to. As a result of Paul's speeches, people would come to faith in Christ and they would, would, uh, would, would take their message to the spheres of influence that often young believers were not traveling in. And this included Damaris, an Athenian woman, notable enough for Luke to mention by name in this chapter. She was there, and perhaps as she began to listen and interact, before her conversion, she would often uh, offer, uh, offer her, per, her perspective, but as she listened to these conversations, she converted to Christ. She moved in the lofty circles of Roman commerce and industry. She held her own in the rarefied air of Greek academia, and she's an impressive woman today, a teacher, a social influencer, and a thought leader she was able to speak the gospel to those who might not have otherwise heard. Teachers in our lives who have influenced for good, brilliant educators and social influencers, go ahead and text in their names. The woman that I think of today who reminds me so much of Damaris is Linda Gibson. Linda Gibson is the recently retired vice president of institutional effectiveness at Masters. She held that role for six years and previous uh, years she was their academic dean. 
Linda's been involved in program design and curriculum design and assessment and faculty development for so many years. She's been involved with the University of Guelph, the University of Waterloo, where she's taught, where she's led through distance education and in-person learning. She's a learner coach for the eCampus in Vancouver and special interest in emerging learning technologies. Linda's a graduate of EPBC as well, holds credentials with the PAOC. She has a diploma in broadcasting, a BA from the University of Waterloo, a Master of Science in Adult and Education Extension, University of Guelph, and has completed PhD courses in the Curriculum Design Program at the University of Toronto. Linda is incredibly wise and brilliant, is committed to strengthening our fellowship, and she sits on several strategic uh, committees with the POC. She's provided innovative and transformative education, and it touches the heads, the hearts, and the hands of students and leaders within our movement. And I'm so thankful for Linda's influence in my life and in our collective lives as a movement. Who reminds you of Linda today? I see Kathy, Dowie, Amanda, Sarah, Cherry, Antonia, Joanna, Allison, Carol, my mom, Lynn. Thank you for being teachers, influencers, taking the time. I think of those people in this building right now meeting with our children, impacting a generation. You are valuable, and I shout you out today. We've come to the last woman. Thank you for hanging in there. We're almost done. Priscilla, the invested risk taker, a business owner, mission investor, and travel adventurer. We discover her story in Acts chapter 18. Compared to Damaris or Lydia, Priscilla occupied a relatively modest niche in first century Roman society. You know, together with her husband, Aquila, she ran a small business in Corinth making tents. In modern terms, Priscilla and Aquila were artisans or tradespeople. They were also a cross-cultural couple. Unlike her husband, Priscilla likely wasn't Jewish, judging by her name. She was a Roman woman from an upper-class family. After a meeting and working with Paul, then this well-traveled couple became an incredibly valuable part of the apostles' missionary journals, journeys. They were a team. They worked together. It was never unusual to see them working in tandem. They were always mentioned, suggesting that they were equal partners in life, business, and ministry. Even more unusual, perhaps, was Priscilla was always named first, maybe indicating that perhaps her role was a higher-profile role for the church. She led the church in maintaining theological purity, love for the poor, and mentorship of young, charismatic leaders, such as Apollos, an educated Alexandrian Jew, who taught accurately about Jesus, but prior to the work of John the Baptist. There was an influence of Priscilla, and there is Apollos being more educated and prepared to advance the gospel. Priscilla's apostolic leadership was pivotal in advancing the kingdom. And she's worthy of a shout out because she has the opportunity, she took the opportunity to be countercultural in her insistence on spreading the gospel in her sphere of influence. Priscilla is worthy of a shout out this morning, of an example of someone who's owned a business, who's invested in mission and supported the work of the gospel to move forward. 
give Priscilla a shout out today. Go ahead and for the last time, who are the women in your life who are reminded, that you're reminded of, of Priscilla? I think today about Barbara Flight. Barbara was a military officer for over 20 years, experiencing tours of duty in Bosnia, and she's also served here in Canada as a military urban planner and an urban planner for a crown corporation. She took a period of time away to raise her three children, but in that time, she successfully built a home business in the health and wellness field. She's a self-professed mom entrepreneur. She's used her vast array of experiences and opportunities to connect with women across North America to help them attain their fitness and their business goals. Today, she's working strategically as a writer with the defense industry. And yet through all of these incredibly diverse opportunities that she's been given, her and her husband, Lieutenant Colonel Nathan Flight, have been active members in their churches and also have served as strategic deployment staff with Samaritan's Purse, often going into dangerous disaster zones to provide emergency relief, security and safety and logistics for Samaritan's Purse relief workers. Barbara is generous and resourceful, and she has made it her mission to invest in kingdom mission here in Canada. She's a risk taker, a business owner, and a mission supporter. Let's look at the screen one last time and see all the names that we think of when we hear about Priscilla's story. We give a shout out to these women, Marika and Ellen and Alexis and Sonia, Mashida. Thank you for being an example of Christ and leveraging the gifts and skills that you have. Well, we've come through the narrative of Acts. We've reached the end. We shout out these women. We end with one particular important moment for us today on this Mother's Day. Quoting from the words of Paul, writing to the churches of Galatia, he said this, that there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. There's something important for us to grasp here in Paul's teaching. He wasn't communicating here uh, that the gospel flattens humanity into an ageless or raceless or genderless mass. Rather, it was to emphasize the beautiful diversity of the kingdom made up of men and women from every ethnic and social background with equal access and standing in Christ when recording the Acts of the Apostles from the first century, Acts of people like Paul, Luke was uniquely positioned to understand Paul's heart in this matter. He saw his perspective, and it was through his very eyes that he understood as he wrote the book of Acts that the women that were prominently part of the mission of the church needed to be celebrated and understood in this wonderful mosaic and a recapture of how the church was started. He portrayed them in all their diversity from the servants who answered the door to the cultural elites who moved among circles of privilege and power. These were women who were warm with wit and an intellect, and they played an essential role in the spread of the gospel. And so we've shouted them out today. And we also recognize you in this moment. Thank you, women of King Street Community Church, those in this room and those online, for your influence in our lives today. We thank you for who you are and we celebrate you today. I shout you out, and we're honored to be able to highlight not just the stories of the women in the book of Acts, but your lives too. Know that God has a great purpose and plan for your life to walk in your calling and to walk in your divine design 
And may you see remarkable things take place in your life. Thank you. I honor you today.